Hi, I'm Michael Cashew. And I'm Adi Cashew, and you're listening to The WAG Podcast. This podcast is about health, wellness, and personal development. Each episode is a short conversation between Adi and I on a single topic with actionable steps. We cover everything from food, mindset, fitness, and relationships. We started WAG because of the way health and fitness changed our lives, so we hope to share a tool or two that helps you along your way. Hello. Welcome back. We haven't podcasted in a while. No, you're much less pregnant than you were the last time I'm we did this. significantly less pregnant, <laughs> meaning not at all. Super excited about doing this episode. I've been pushing to record it because I'm so excited to talk about all of it. And I've been getting a lot of questions from so many people all over the place in our personal life, as well as on social media and in our communities to talk about all that went down since we've had a baby and slightly before, I guess. So today we're going to, or over the next couple episodes, we're going to break this out into two different episodes. One, we're going to talk about how we're going to finish talking about how we prepared for giving birth, for a D giving birth. And then we're going to talk about what it's been like since our son was born. Yeah. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the preparation for labor and delivery, how we made our decisions, which we were supposed to record before we went into labor. But as we will tell you at the end of this episode, we're going to go through the actual birth story. So what happened amidst all of our preparation, which we didn't end up having enough time to record that episode. And we'll talk about that uh, when we get there. So let's start. Yeah, We'll start with preparing for labor and delivery. So I think for me, and I don't know if you can talk about your perspective in preparing for labor and delivery. For me, I have had this perpetual story in my mind that this is going to be the most painful experience of your life. And I have all the images from the media and movies that it's so hard. And I have a lot of people in my life who have a lot of, I don't know, judgment maybe around whether you're going to have a medicated birth or an unmedicated birth or you're being induced into labor, which means you're getting some medication to trigger labor starting instead of labor starting on its own. Um, there's a lot of like, it's kind of a little weird in, in talking to women because some people put a lot of judgment on whatever choice you're going to make. So it took a lot of sifting through information to decide exactly what kind of birth we were hoping to have or preparing for. And amidst all of that sifting, I think the number one lesson that I had is that you can prepare as much as you want to, but no matter what, you're going to have to be flexible because this is a completely natural thing that you can't control. And it's it ended up being that way. So we did a lot of research ahead of time. A couple of things that we did specifically that other people can do as well, outside of just having tons of conversations with people, we did a hypnobirthing course. I decided that I would love to try as much as I possibly could to l- allow labor to come on on its own, um, to not take any medications. And we actually did decide on a home birth. And we can talk about why we made that decision, partially being because it really allows for the maximum opportunity to have an intervention-free, medication-free birth um, because you don't have those options at home. So that's one of the main reasons why we decided that. Um, But we did a hypnobirthing course, which is kind of like a breathing. basically like where 
I had to go through this extensive training to learn how to hypnotize her <laughs> when she went into birth. It's not far from that, though. <laughs> it's not, a, right? It's not totally far from that. Right. There is, like, explain. Can you explain what I feel like hypnobirthing is mixing meditation and yoga with having a baby. It's like a lot of breathing exercises and mental strategies for moving through discomfort and pain as gracefully as possible. Yeah, and they talk a lot about the language around labor and delivery, which was super helpful for me. So while the story that's been fed to me is this is the most painful thing, this is going to be so hard, um, you're going to be begging for an epidural, the hypnobirthing course teaches you about using different words. Like instead of using pain, use intensity. Or instead of using contractions, use surge. Um, and it kind of changes. I really think language is super powerful. And it changes the way that I it changed the way that I thought about labor and delivery a lot. It helped me a lot. We watched a bunch of videos of birth, which I know some people are super uncomfortable about that, but I found it incredibly helpful. I think I watched a total of probably 10 different birth videos. Um, hypnobirthing specific. It is wild how these women can just move through labor and delivery. I was not that graceful, but it seems like calm. They're just calm the whole time. Uh, what did you Which feel is about that? So surprising. Yeah, I'll back up and say my conditioning, like the way I grew up hearing and seeing um, men's roles in the birthing process was mostly that they were like they were there, but it's not very, I don't know, they weren't very useful. Uh, most of them seemed like really grossed out by the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And they also didn't seem very involved in the pregnancy leading up to it. And so when our friends Zach and Emily talked about having a home birth and it was like one of the most beautiful experiences of their life, I had never heard anything like that. I had never considered that giving birth could be a beautiful thing. I, I, I thought it was like a war zone. I thought it was like this <laughs> disgusting, painful thing. Mm -hmm. And so that was really eye-opening for me. When we started talking about hypnobirthing, I was so intrigued because it mixed so many things that are valuable to me, like the power of the mind and using the breath and all of that kind of stuff. And I just saw this possibility for you to have such a more, have such a less painful experience and the ability to be so much more present. I saw the possibility for us to be one of those people that have a quote unquote beautiful experience. And mm -hmm. that was so attractive when all of the other examples that I've had growing up were so different. Yeah. Something really that I appreciated about hypnobirthing is that it really involved you in the process. So there's a lot of conversation around what can Michael do during labor and delivery? How can he touch me? What can he expect? How can he help me feel more comfortable? And I felt like we were a team doing this together. I know there were many moments I was like, we're doing this. And you're like, no, you're <laughs> doing this. But I felt like we were doing it together. Yeah, I think that's a me feeling engaged or feeling useful actually helped me feel more engaged and like it was more of a positive experience. I, I feel like, and this is just a story, I don't have any evidence to back this up, but I think if men feel like they have no role and they have they can't be supportive at all, I could see why that would be a really uncomfortable experience for them. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that was helpful for me. So hypnobirthing course, uh, highly recommend. I think there's other types of breathing classes like Lamaze or the Bradley method. There's other things. I just did hypnobirthing because it's what our doula recommended. So that's what we did. You also did a number of different meditations, like guided meditations specific to birth. I did that. And then one thing that I did that I think was really helpful is you, I think you told me I should do this. Every single morning I did some type of meditation throughout all of pregnancy virtually every morning and leading, I think maybe in the final weeks towards actually going into labor, I, in my meditation, walked through a wide variety of different potential scenarios of how birth could actually go. So I went in my mind thinking, okay, you know, I'm going to walk in the door and my water's going to just crash all over the floor and it's going to break and you were going to, we're going to start you know, watching a movie to distract me from the contractions and then we're going to call the midwife and then this X, Y, Z. So I would walk myself through a bunch of different scenarios of how this could possibly go, including maybe we get transferred to the hospital because we're having a home birth and maybe um, in the middle of labor and delivery, I can't handle the intensity and I, I need medication and I want to go to the hospital. So what does that look like? And during the meditation, I would walk myself through start to finish or even just sections of it, what labor and delivery could be like. And I think that was really helpful for me. Kind of like training. Mm -hmm. I would visualize doing a snatch or a clean and jerk or it would really help me missing. I would visualize sometimes what would happen. I would, I used to be afraid of certain numbers to doing like what people call Clark where you're attempting a lift and you don't even attempt it. You just kind of drop the bar. And I would visualize what would potentially happen if I missed and it helped me overcome the the fear or negativity surrounding an experience. So that really helped me a lot. That's awesome. And then uh, other than that, I did work with a physical therapist. She is LadybirdPT on Instagram. She was incredibly helpful for me to feel confident in during labor and delivery, which I'll talk about uh, I really thought about some of the things that she taught me. So how to relax my pelvic floor, how to strengthen my pelvic floor. And I think working with her leading up to labor and delivery, um, she helped me make sure that I was having, um, I had diastasis, which is when your abs separate because your stomach is growing so much. Um, she helped me make sure that I'm contracting my core in a specific way. And that really helped in my recovery after. Mm. I really you believe also that's some true. Pelvic pain that went away really quickly when you started working. Yeah, I think we did talk about that in a past episode about pregnancy. But yes, she really helped me be as comfortable as possible during pregnancy. Mm. And I mean, I went into labor at thirty-six weeks, so I didn't have the last four weeks of bigness and growing. So I, I'm sure I would have been slightly more uncomfortable than I was. Mm-hmm. But she really, really helped. Uh, and then the last thing before we talk about how we chose a why we chose a home birth specifically um, is having lots and lots of conversations, different conversations about what am I supposed to expect. So I talked to every single friend that I know that had a similar birth experience to what I was looking for, um, including people that didn't, people that went to a hospital and had an epidural or had a C-section or had a home birth or didn't. I asked them a million questions like, can you explain to me what a contraction actually feels like? Mm -hmm. One to 10, how painful is it really? Uh, What is the recovery like? What is the experience like when the baby comes out? And I would hear things like, you know, 
I think I talked to Taz Barber and I remember this in the days leading up to birth. I said, Taz, cut it to me straight. How painful is this actually going to be? And she said, it's going to be very, very painful. And I said, okay, is it, you know, building up to being really painful or are you in pain for a lot of hours? And she said, it's building up to being really painful and you're in pain for a lot of hours. And I'm just like, oh gosh, for me, having more information is helpful. I didn't want to end up in that scenario and be like, this is not what I expected. I can't handle it. Mm -hmm. So it helped me prepare. And uh, then she told me that she would relive the moment that her baby comes out and they look at each other in the eye over and over and over again. She Mm -hmm. said that moment is so special and it really got me excited for this experience because it's different going through pain and discomfort when there's not this huge, amazing thing at the other side. It's Mm -hmm. so different. So those kinds of conversations I had. And then I also had conversations with you. I think I talked to you about, can I do this? Do you believe in me? Do you think I can do this? 1,500 (laughs) times. Yes. Way before we got pregnant, actually. (laughs) Like, do you think I can do it? Do you think I can handle it? Having that you believing in me because every single time you without it, you said without a doubt, no question about it. I know you can do it. And if you don't, that's okay too. Um, but knowing that you believed in me so much really, really helped me. Um, and I also talked to you about dealing with physical discomfort because of all the people I know in my life, when people say to me, what is one thing that Michael can do that nobody else can do? I think one of your superpowers is being able to manage physical discomfort. You just put yourself in these crazy scenarios where you mentally push through really hard physical things, not just the CrossFit games, but um, you've done seal fit twice. And so we had a lot of conversations around what are you mentally doing to get through physical pain? And that helped me a lot. Good. One thing I want to acknowledge you for is um, always seeking out people with a vi- like a variety of different opinions. Just because you know a lot of your friends are have like a really positive outlook on something, you don't stop there. You look for people that have had really challenging experiences as well. Uh, and on the flip side, if most people are having really challenging experiences, you don't allow your you don't allow that to pigeonhole you and make you think that it has to be that way for you. And you're always seeking out. And with this, you did this big time. You sought out so many different people with different perspectives. And at the end of the day, you remained really open-minded and you believed that you could have a really beautiful experience. Yeah, thanks. And it ended up being a very beautiful experience, Mm. which we'll talk about. Okay, why... In your perspective, Michael, why did we choose a home birth? Because it's when kind of a big we, decision. And just to caveat before we even get into that, it's not the best decision for everybody. So if there was any indication that I was a high-risk pregnancy, meaning I had gestational diabetes or I had a group B strep, which is a bacteria that requires antibiotics, anything – Anything that required hospital intervention before going into labor, we would have switched to a hospital birth. Mm -hmm. Um, I was as low risk as you possibly can be when it comes to pregnancy. There was no indication that anything um, negative would happen. Mm -hmm. So that's if that is not your situation, we don't think home birth is for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, there were two main kind of categories. Number one is it seemed like the most natural way for a human to come into the world. It seemed like if he could be born in our home. It would be such a, such a more 
comfortable, quiet, calming environment. And that would just be like a great way to come into the world, it seemed like, rather than like things beeping everywhere and people like all of these different people touching you. And so it just felt, it felt a little bit better to me uh, from that regard. Then there are the numbers. So the, the risk of catastrophic, like a catastrophic event happening, like a, a really negative thing happening at home is not significantly higher than it is at a hospital. So it's not, you're, you're not, you're not, more likely significantly to have a, a much worse outcome. And it's really rare to begin with to have some Correct. type of Correct. It's really, really outcome. rare. So because there was no difference there and there's a much higher risk of intervention at in a hospital, so a C-section or a free, what's the snipping thing? A snipping. Where they snip An your, episiotomy. Episiotomy. Um, Vacuums or um, giving medications that you didn't plan on, like you you really didn't want, Mm -hmm. but you were kind of pressured into. And we did experience that at the hospital, this pressuring. Um, It's much higher in a hospital. And so it just seemed like if you're, if there wasn't any, there weren't any risk factors, um, there just wasn't any reason to go for, to a hospital for us. Yeah. So for me, I think the biggest factor was, if this is about to be one of the most challenging experiences of my life, one of the most vulnerable because your body is going to do this thing whether you want it to do it or not, it's going to happen. You need to get this baby out of you. And if I am trying to be as comfortable, calm, and relaxed as possible, being at home to me is the place to be. Uh, I'm in my own space. I can wear my own clothes. Uh, there's no, no strangers are walking in. There was this example in in one of the books that talked about the sphincter reflex or sphincter law, meaning we all have sphincters all over our body, like your butthole or your cervix or all like uh, a man. It's like a urethra. Is is that the whatever? I guess that's a sphincter. But don't y'all have a urethra? Any any like hold. Yes. Yeah. So like when you can hold your, you can stop the stream of urine. That's like whatever's that. You can stop your pee, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I can. Thanks. Um, so like you're in a public bathroom, so a man is at a urinal and, a, and he's like peeing, let's say, and a stranger walks in, there's a reflex that could happen to stop the stream of urine for a second just to make sure you're safe. And then you relax again when you realize you are, um, that doesn't necessarily always happen, but it's like why people can't necessarily have a bowel movement when they're on vacation. Cause you just don't feel comfortable enough. I don't um, know who these people are that can't have a yeah, bowel Yeah. You're not in that category, but I do understand it. a very comfortable it. pooper. Yeah. <laughs> But this is like a huge, their cervix has to relax. And if there's any indication of something dangerous or like your brain cannot calm down and relax, it's going to be really hard for it to open up to 10 centimeters big. So I knew that I wanted to be in the calmest, most comfortable environment possible. And with I'm also a really risk averse person. So for those listening, if there was anything that made an indication that I wouldn't be safe, the baby wouldn't be safe, we wouldn't have done it. There was like, we would have erred way on the side of caution. Mm -hmm. So that's why we chose it. And some resources for you to get more information about home birth. Um, There's a movie that's um, called The Business of Being Born. And just keep in mind, a movie like The Business of Being Born that's about home birth is way swayed in the direction of home birth. So anytime that you watch a movie like that, just take what you like and leave what you don't and know that they're trying to get you to lean in favor of home Mm -hmm. birth. So we did keep that in mind. 
Um, anything written by Ina May. She talks about how to have a really amazing hospital birth experience, but she gives a ton of stories and anecdotes about home birth. Um, and then also our midwife, uh, Monica Stone, Monica with a K, um, wrote a book about home birth as well, which is has some data and some facts and some numbers about um, all of the things, the questions that you would have. Sweet. So should we tell a story? Yes. Let's tell the story. Okay. So it all started. I was in Katy, Texas, like doing a, a training two hours away. Uh, we we're a month away from the due date. Mm-hmm. And I get in at probably 5 p.m. on Sunday. And we eat some dinner, then we're watching a movie. No, we're watching Chernobyl, which if you guys haven't watched it, it's pretty legit. Yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) And you turn to me and you say? I said, I think I just had a contraction because I had been having Braxton Hicks for weeks. Just, I would probably have four or five Braxton Hicks a day, which a Braxton Hicks, for people who don't know, is when your uterus, which now is all the way up to your chest. So your uterus is normally only in your pelvic area. It's now as big as to fit the whole baby. It's huge. And so the whole uterus kind of tightens up and gets hard like a muscle flexing, but there's no um, pain associated with it. So there's no cramp. And it's really, it's kind of a little bit uncomfortable, but it's not a contraction at all. Um, And I would get four or five of those a day. They would last like two minutes long. And I knew it was my body preparing for birth, but I knew it wasn't a contraction. And I'm laying there watching Chernobyl and I have the the tense tensing of the uterus with a cramp at the same time. And my midwife told me that that is what a contraction is. So I said, I think I just had a contraction, but I'm not 100% sure, but I only had one. It was just like a single contraction. That was it. And we both had heard that you can have signs like that for weeks, sometimes even a month leading into labor. You could have contractions here or there or, you know, contractions all day long, very light, mild ones. And that doesn't mean you're going into labor. Mm-hmm. So we were both chilling, right? Yeah, I was certain. <laughs> I was 100% certain that you weren't going into labor. Right. So I texted, we had a doula and a midwife. I texted them both being no big deal, but I had a contraction and want to let you guys know. Just, I'm going to go to bed and see what happens. Uh, I go into bed and like Michael had just gotten home, which is crazy. So we go to bed and I start having more contractions. At this point, I'm looking at the clock. You're passed out. Michael's sleeping. I'm looking at the clock and I realize that they are kind of like under four minutes apart and they're lasting 50 seconds long. So it's 50 seconds and like three and a half minutes apart. And I'm just like, wow, okay, this is actually more than, this is, isn't that what they say you're, you're in labor when that's happening? Like that's what they define as active labor is a minute long, five minutes apart for an hour. Um, and I'm just like, wow, okay, I'm not sure what's going on. So I kind of was freaking out to you a little bit. I woke you up and this was a pivotal moment for me in our birth story was, It's 36 weeks. So I know in Texas that you can only have a home birth at 37 weeks. So I know if we go into labor tonight, we're not having the baby at home. There's just, we're going to the hospital. And I knew that. Also, I didn't know if this was labor or not. And I'm kind of having a little bit of this panicked energy. And maybe you could tell like this part of the story because it was like super pivotal for me. But I don't remember exactly what you said in particular. Um, Yeah, yeah. You were like... kind of panicking, like moving around everywhere really quickly, rushing. And I think I just stopped you in the 
doorway of our closet and I said, look, I, I sense some nervous energy from you right now and I get it. And if this is really it, if this is labor, then you have to decide right now how you want to think and behave. And you've prepared for this for so long. You're so ready. And now is the time to like flip that switch. And you did. And it was just like a moment for me where I was like, he's so right. Like if this is it, there's nothing I can do about it. And I'm on the roller coaster and I'm not getting off. And it just immediately was this switch that flipped for me where it's like, okay, if this is if this is the start of labor, then I need to put my game face on. And then Michael's like, okay, but we're probably going to have these contractions for weeks. So I'm going to go to bed. No, <laughs> so, you're mixing up the order, but... but yeah. Something like that. But so he goes to bed and then at the top, I start continue having these contractions that are close together. They're getting more intense. And um, at the top of each contraction, I, I'm like leaking fluid. And I thought I just like peed myself. That's pretty much what I thought. And so I go to the bathroom. I look in the toilet to make sure that it's yellow. It's not yellow. It's actually completely clear. The fluid is all completely clear and there's specks of blood inside. So I realize that this is probably my water that is slowly breaking um, as the contraction is pushing the fluid out. And I text my midwife because I this is the middle of the night. I think it's 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. It's 10 o'clock at night. I swear I thought that I wasn't supposed to call her until the morning. And she's actually out of town only for this one night. And I text her being like, hey, I think my water broke, but I'm not 100% positive. My contractions are pretty close together, but I'm going to try and sleep through it and see if I can get through in the morning. My phone's on silent. I move it. She ends up calling like six times, I think. She leaves six missed calls. She calls the doula to get her to drive over to our house and knock on the door and try and wake us up because she has realized my water is broken and we need we're going to have a baby. She knows that we're not going to we're not going to wait a long time after the water breaks to get the baby out. So I end up looking at my phone because there's no way I'm sleeping through these contractions. It's just too intense. There's too much sensation going on. And I look at, I have a million text messages and missed calls and the doula is waiting in her car in our driveway because for some reason our doorbell isn't that loud. No. So I bring her inside and I'm talking with the midwife on the phone. Michael's still sleeping at this point. I'm talking with the midwife on the phone and we're discussing next steps. Like she's debating if like maybe we could have the baby at home, but because we were only five days away from it being allowed. Um, thank goodness we didn't. Uh, and she just wasn't willing to take the risk. She knew we were conservative in terms of risk assessment. And she's like, you guys have to go to the hospital, but maybe you can make it until the morning. She didn't want us to get to the hospital and maybe like two centimeters dilated and then start pressuring me to take medication. So she wanted me to labor at home for as long as I could. So I tried to go to sleep. Our doula sleeping in our guest room because she knows that at some point we're going to have to go to the hospital. And around like 11.30 midnight, I get out of bed. Michael's still sleeping. And I start using an app on my phone to time the contractions. And the app starts telling me I need to go to the hospital, that these are too close together, they're too long, and I need to start um, figuring out what to do. So we had no plans to go to the hospital. Not only did we have no plans to go to the hospital, this is still, f I thought I was still going to be pregnant for four or five weeks. So I asked the midwife on the phone, 
what do you even put in a hospital bag? So she's on the phone with me while I'm going through contractions, trying to assess how far along I am. I'm breathing through them and me and the doula are packing up. And Michael comes into the, you tell this part of the story of like. Well, I woke up and saw the light on in the bathroom and I, I was kind of frustrated because <laughs> I was like, how inconsiderate. It's midnight. Why, why is she leaving <laughs> the light on? I don't care what she has to, what she's doing with herself why why keep me up and so i go and check and she says i think my water broke we're having a baby and immediately you're like oh okay we're having a baby so he starts helping me pack the hospital bags um our doula who's mallory mallory j-a-x on instagram i believe and we just start getting ready and getting ready to go to the hospital the midwife calls ahead of time lets them know that we're coming so that um all of my Medical information can get transferred over there. Um, and then we packed up in the bag and we we drive to the hospital. The hospital is like, I don't know, nine minutes from the house? Under 10 minutes? Yeah. Under 10 minutes. We get there. We bring my like huge, med- what, what do you call those? Exercise balls? Exercise ball. Like a huge exercise ball. So I'm in the parking lot sitting there. You're trying to figure out which entrance we need to go through. I'm bouncing on the exercise ball just trying to be as focused as possible. Because at this point, I like... I'm already in active labor for sure. And at this point, I really have to be focused if I'm going to make it through each contraction. And it's just funny because we're sitting at the emergency. We had to go in through the emergency room. It's COVID. There's there's like so much red tape at the hospital right now where they're taking our temperature. They're making sure that only a certain amount of people can come in. We have to fill out paperwork. I had to take a COVID test. We had to sign consent forms, like all these things that we didn't do ahead of time. And I'm doing this like while in active labor, asking them, is it okay if I wait till the next contract, this contraction's over before I sign this paper, which I think may have helped to distract me a little bit in the beginning, actually. Mm-hmm. And then finally we get to our room and Michael and our doula crush it. They run around the room. They turn off all the lights. They put these little like artificial tea light candles everywhere. They put um, some affirmations that my girlfriends had written for me all over the walls. And Michael put on a playlist. He was in charge of the music. He put on the specific music. And the hospital was amazing, letting us just like set up the room however I wanted. I d- they asked me if I wanted to be in a hospital gown. I said no. I got to be in my own clothes. Um, and that's when I actually got the opportunity to be like, okay, I'm in the place that we're going to have the baby. I can relax a little bit more, um, and really start to move through all of these contractions. Um, they asked us about our birth preferences. So luckily the hospital that we went to, it's actually midwives that work, um, with the women who don't already have, um, OBGs which was great. They were, the hospital was so amazing. The hospital experience actually was so much better than we thought. And very soon after we finished all of the con- consent forms and all of the that testing and stuff, um, I had my first cervical check. And at this cervical check, I'm thinking in my head, I mean, I'm thinking in my head, if I'm not over seven centimeters dilated, I am definitely getting an epidural. <laughs> That's what I'm saying to myself. I'm not sure if I actually would have at the time, but I'm like, I'm for sure opening up. Like I know I'm opening up. I know I'm relaxing. Things have definitely moved. They must have. And I don't know what it looks like from the outside perspective, but I think that you guys all didn't really think I was in that much 
Yeah, you seemed like you were in like a two out of ten pain. You were totally calm. You weren't making almost any noise at all. And I thought you were just kind of chilling, like starting to get uncomfortable. I, I was I was buckling in for like the next twenty four hours. Were you really? Yeah, twenty four hours. I don't know. Jeez, man. I thought it was going to take a long time. Um, but. What I'm thinking in my head for those of you that maybe are pregnant and preparing for this, I'm thinking a couple things, two main things, one being what my physical therapist helped me with, with the relaxing of the pelvic floor. She has a couple cues that are spread the sit bones, uncurl your tailbone and push your breath into your pelvic floor. And I was thinking that at the top of every contraction, or I'd be thinking four seconds inhale, eight seconds exhale. And I knew a contraction was only 50 seconds long. So I figured that I had to have five of those breaths and then I'd be through a contraction. So I'd count the breaths, like first breath, second breath, four seconds in, eight seconds out, and then I'm through it. And you have these contractions that are 50 seconds, they ramp up, they get to a peak, and then it starts coming down, but it's still very intense the whole 50 seconds. And then there's, you really do get relief in between. So you just, I was savoring the relief in between each one, especially as I was counting them. Um, so that really helped me a lot. Uh, and then she checked my cervix and I was actually nine centimeters dilated, which was so, I remember she said that. She said, hold on, let me check twice just to make sure that I'm not giving you false information. It's like I'm not giving you, getting your hopes up. Because uh, at nine centimeters, you're like almost ready to push the baby out. And so she checks again. I was actually nine centimeters dilated. And then Michael and Mallory are doula cheered. I remember them cheering, being like, woo, Yeah. Um, I think you were super excited at that point. Yeah, I was I was so blown away by it. And I was like, damn, we're almost there. <laughs> and then it took two hours to push the baby out, which was the most challenging part of the whole experience. I actually thought it was the active part of labor and delivery that I would enjoy. Like it's something I can actually do instead of needing to relax and let my body do what it's going to do. Um, I can help things along. It was not like that. We tried maybe nine different positions all over the room, side, on all fours, in the shower, out of the shower, on the toilet, holding on to Michael, with my back on to Michael, like squat position. We tried so many different things to try and move the baby faster and it just didn't work. And it was two hours long. And that's the point where we started getting a little bit of pressure to start speeding things along um, in terms of medications or interventions, um, just because the contractions were not as strong at that time. So it's really helpful when a contraction is really strong. It helps push the baby down and your uterus is really helping you. It wasn't, they weren't as strong and there was more time in between, meaning like I had more relief in between. And she said, you know, if you had Pitocin, which is um, an induction medication, it would make your contraction stronger. And I remember, this is how it was to me. I don't know if it was different from the outside, but I remember just ignoring her and just not even answering. Like I had my eyes closed and I'm like, I'm not even going to answer you right now. And then you stepped mm -hmm. in saying, unless it's unsafe, she doesn't want any medication. Mm -hmm. And I think we got asked twice. Mm -hmm. We got asked twice and then the midwife switched. So the shift switched and it was a new person that came in. And the new person was super patient. She just waited. She, she wouldn't give me any information about... I'm thinking, am I even doing anything? Like I'm working so hard. Every contraction I'm pushing three times as hard as I possibly can. And it feels like nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that was unexpected is like in the pushing phase, I've heard 
from so many people that you can actually poop during that time. And that was terrifying to me, but also like, what are you going to do? You're pushing a baby out. Like just whatever comes out of you comes out of you. And I'm saying that to myself mentally, like who cares if you poop, just poop everywhere. It doesn't matter. And, but your body has trained itself not to do that for your whole life. So I'm trying to relax to let the baby push through but my body's trying to keep the poop in. So it's like keeping everything in. Um, and I was having like a battle in my head with my body of just relax. It doesn't matter. Just like let everything go. Um, and then it took two hours. What was that part like for you? The pushing? Yeah. I don't know. It was kind of fun. It was like we're, we're very, very close to him coming out. That was the loudest that you were at any point. So it was like much more intense. But I also felt like more useful. Like I whispered in your ear constantly how Mm -hmm. proud of you I was and how much I loved you. And I could tell how much strength that gave you or how that like recentered you. Um, And so I felt like I was more involved. And the, the overwhelming feeling at that point was like just excitement. Like he's almost here. Every time you push, uh, the the more painful it is, like the closer he is. Yeah. And that was definitely a mantra for me is, the more painful it becomes, the higher the intensity, the closer we are, which was really, really helpful for me to know. There's like the more pain you are, the closer you are to meeting your baby. And this is like so exciting. I want to meet him. So I'm willing to push into the pain. I was like, make it more painful. I want it to be more painful because then I know that we're closer. Um, and then I we get to the end and I start feeling a little bit of burning, which people told me was called the ring of fire. Um, you can visualize for yourself why they call it that. And at that point, I think I turned to you and I said, it's starting to burn, which is so terrible and so exciting at the same time. And I knew that that meant he was there. Like he was crowning, he was coming out. I was so ready for it. Um, and that part only lasted for me for one contraction. So one contraction. It was two. Oh, two contractions. Yeah. Two, one contraction, his head was halfway out. Yeah, it kind of popped out and then went back in. Oh, okay. So his head, you're watching it. I'm not watching it. And I was on all fours. So I was on all fours. Everyone's behind me, which is like such a weird thing, but it was the most comfortable way for me to be. And he popped out, popped back in. And then I knew the next contraction, his whole body was going to come out. So um, I pushed as hard as I could on the next one. And I'm, I think I was smiling like as I was pushing on the next one, like smiling, like so ready, even though it was the peak mm-hmm. um, intensity, but I knew it wasn't going to last that long. He comes out, they give him to me, immediately goes on my chest. Yeah, I want to say, we haven't even talked about this, but you are still on our, all fours and they try to hand him back to you like underneath, underneath yeah. you. And then you had to stand up and like, situate yourself on your back. I thought you were going to fall. Because, oh, you did? Yeah, because you were like, you had been shaking and working so hard and it was mm-hmm. not like a very even surface. I was very worried you were going to fall. I I was shaking. That was another thing too. Like my body would shake. That the, There was so much energy moving through my body that I would actually physically shake and I couldn't control it. I was just uncomfortable holding him underneath that way. I remember continually saying, the placenta is still attached continuously saying, hey, can I get on my back? Can I, get, can I get on my back? Can someone help me get to my back? Eventually I get to my back, put the baby on my chest. They're working. I'm holding the baby. My, me and Michael are like, oh my gosh, we're just so happy that he's here. I'm also so exhausted. Like I feel like I could have fell, fallen asleep 
in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I hadn't slept. This is Monday morning at eight o'clock in the morning. And at that point, I hadn't slept since Saturday night. So um, it's been like 30 something hours of no sleep because we, I went into labor at nighttime. And the baby's kind of struggling a little bit at this point. He's like kind of wheezing or grunting. And you could tell it's a little bit hard for him to breathe. And I also have a retained placenta, meaning my placenta is not coming out. It's supposed to come out within 30 minutes after birth and it's not happening. So I felt uncomfortable and I gave you, you took, I said, Michael, can you take the baby? Cause I just couldn't keep him any longer. And then what, I don't know what happened with the baby after that. Yeah. After a few minutes, the nurses kept watching him and he still couldn't breathe. And so they took him to a little nursery, like, I don't know, a hundred feet away. And so I followed him and watched him make sure, made sure they weren't doing anything weird to him (laughs) and they didn't lose him like in the movies. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what was going on with you, but after like an hour or two of being over there with him, they told me that they were going to have to take him to the neonatal ICU. And that's where he stayed for the next week. We'll talk more about that on our next episode, but that's, that's when they took him there. And I went back to check in with you and what was going on with you. Yeah. So it took an hour, around an hour to get the placenta out. And this is not something I was prepared for at all. You're like, I already did the thing. I already pushed the baby out. I had no medications. I didn't need anything. They didn't use my IV for anything. And at that point they are like, we have to give you Pitocin to try and get the contractions to go back up again, which I'm like, I don't, at this point, I don't care. Give me any medication you possibly need to give me to get this placenta out of me. And the doctor comes in and say, like, they're, it's so weird because they're like pulling on the cord and they're just like trying to get it to, un, to come out. And most of it had come out. It was just attached at a small place. And um, the doctor walked in and said, okay, let's like turn, turn up the epidural, which I didn't have. So then she looks at me and says, oh, well, this is going to be really uncomfortable for you then. And so the, I'll give you like the least graphic version, but she had to basically get her entire arm inside me to pull the placenta out herself, um, like a manual extraction. So they gave me a little bit of fentanyl to help with that pain. And it was honestly equally as uncomfortable as getting the baby out of me. And I was okay though. It came out. It was a really painful experience and I think it took like two hours before somebody stopped touching me and I was just able to just like be with my own body. Yeah, and I was fine and I was okay and really we just wanted to know what was going on with him. He was 36 weeks and two days. So five days before full term, 37 weeks is full term, but four weeks before the due date, which is 40 weeks. And essentially he just had a hard time um, breathing. So We all have this chemical in our lungs called surfactant, which keeps your lungs expanded as you're taking breaths, and he didn't have enough, and so he needed some extra support, and they took him to the NICU, and I didn't see him, I don't think, until maybe a couple hours later, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which was tough, but we'll talk more about the NICU experience after, but overall, honestly, the whole hospital experience was incredible. The nurses, the midwives, the doctors, everything was amazing. It went... Totally not how we planned, but like I said at the beginning, planning as much as possible, but also being flexible that this can go absolutely anyway. Mm-hmm. One of the questions that you got from 
people on, I think, Instagram was how did you handle all of the things that went so unexpectedly? How did you mentally handle them? Yeah, so I think the whole my whole pregnancy, it was... I can be as, and I'm a very organized and prepared person for sure, but there's a difference between being prepared and organized and being rigid. Uh, I was, I can prepare as much as possible, but also be flexible. I think both of us in general are very disciplined, but also very flexible. And I just kept remembering that this is, there's so much of this that's not in my control and what is in my control, what is not in my control I tried to control what was in my control and let go of what wasn't and just kept reminding myself of that over and over and over again. And it didn't feel honestly that challenging. Once you had said that, like if we're going into labor, how do you want this experience to go? It was an immediate switch in my head where I'm not going to hold on to this plan that we had. It's not happening anymore. It's just done. It's over. Moving along onto the experience that we're actually having and um, making the best of the situation, which I think that we did. Mm -hmm. And then how did the entire experience compare to what you expected versus what actually happened? I think I expected, well, I mean, I expected to be at home. I think it would have been more comfortable being at home. I would have loved to be in the shower. I would have loved to have the baby in water. We didn't have a bathtub at the hospital. I would have loved to be in the bathtub. I did take a shower before we went to the hospital and it was the most glorious, amazing thing ever. Women who are, if you're going into labor, maybe you're not like me, but if you are anything like me, being in hot water in a shower was, it took the intensity of the contractions down for me like 50%. It was so much easier to handle. It just felt so good to be in hot water. Um, I would have loved to have that experience, but I didn't. Of course, I didn't expect to, I didn't even think it was possible for the baby to end up in the NICU, especially since we were at 36, just over 36 weeks. I'm like, many babies are born that time and are totally fine. Um, that was completely unexpected. Um, and then I actually think the contraction part of it and the labor section of it was exactly how I had imagined in my head. Very, very intense, but not completely unmanageable. I really did think I would have more moments of complete panic. Like, oh my gosh, this is happening to me. I can't control it. A contraction's coming and I don't want it to. And I thought I would be like, oh no, oh no, it's coming, it's coming and I don't want it to. I think I had a lot less of that. I think mm -hmm. more than I expected, I was inviting of the intensity and thought, okay, the more intense it is, the closer we are over and over and over mm -hmm. again. I was stronger mm -hmm. in my in reality than I thought I would be in my head. Awesome. Well, you absolutely crushed it and it was seriously a beautiful experience. It was such a, a pleasure and something that neither of us will ever forget. Much like not even him coming out, just the entire experience mm -hmm. of getting to that point was so amazing. I'm yeah. so proud of you. Thanks, babe. Thanks for all the help that you contributed. We're good? Yes, we're done. Cool. Later, y'all. Hope this was helpful. We'll be back with uh, another episode on how it's been since it came out. Later. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Stay in touch by signing up for our newsletter at workingagainstgravity.com or on Instagram at workingagainstgravity. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and refer a friend. We'll be back next week with another episode. Talk to you then.